This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. Hello and welcome to Alive with Bhavna. Thank you for listening to today's show where I'll be talking about the importance of self-care. For those of you new to the show, my name is Bhavna Nagar. I worked as a clinical psychologist for the past 20 years, both in South Africa and in New Zealand. I came to New Zealand 13 years ago. My business is called Alive Psychology. Although my mindfulness practice started in South Africa, it grew into the self-love format here in New Zealand. This resulted in me writing a book, Self-Love, The First Step, in which I give you tried and trusted tools on both mindfulness and psychological approaches, so the best of both worlds. So on to today's topic, the importance of self-care. In various conversations, therapy sessions and personal observations, I've noticed once again how little attention we pay to our basic self-care in general. There are obviously people who are good at self-care, and if you're one of them, good on you for putting yourself first. Keep it up. For the vast majority, the basic self-care is minimal. And what do I mean by the basic self-care? I really do mean the basics. Eating, sleeping, showering, dressing, cleaning your teeth, so on. Just the bare basics. For most people, showering and getting dressed is part of their daily routine. And it's not even something they think about. It just happens. This is especially for people who have a work routine. The morning ritual is simply just that. It's not something they think about. On the weekends when they don't have routine, these basics still happen. It's built into us. For people who are depressed, these things are harder to do. They don't shower daily. Or they might wear the same clothes for the whole week. It feels too hard to even just contemplate having a shower, let alone actually doing it and changing your clothes. Eating and sleeping are the ones that I really want to focus on today. Because many people, these are the basic behaviours, self-care behaviours, that has become optional or negotiable. For those that are depressed, they either eat or sleep too much or too little. Similarly with people who are anxious, their sleeping and eating pattern varies according to the anxiety. They may feel so nauseous that they can't eat. And there are obviously medical reasons that affect our ability to eat and sleep. But as I'm a psychologist, I'm just going to skip over all the medical aspects. We seem to live in a society where we look at the notion of being too busy to eat as a good thing, as something to be proud of. We say it with pride to others And they seem to congratulate us on being so busy and productive. Likewise, we do the same. If we tell someone that we were up all night completing that project, studying, or doing something that is a bit more important than sleeping, we almost looked as if we've done something good. Like, well done on you. It shows your commitment to the work, to that project, to whatever it is that you were doing that's more important than eating or sleeping. I remember in my teen years a saying, sleep when you did. 
So why do I consider these basic self-care behaviors to be important? The way that we treat other people communicates their worth in our lives. For our children, we will generally make sure that they are well-fed, that they have enough sleep, and we will make time to spend with them, taking them to their various activities, spending time playing with them, caring for them. This gives them the feeling and the sense that they are important to you, that you care about them. Likewise, when we start dating, the other person is attentive. They make time for you. They may even cook for you as a token of their love and appreciation for you. Many, in many couples, one person will bring the other person a hot drink in the morning as an expression of their love for that person. And the other person does various acts of love to communicate that they love the other person. We know how to show love and appreciation to others. We know how to love and express love to others. But when it comes to ourselves, many of us miss a beat. Almost many beats. For me, this lack of basic self-care communicates how you really feel about yourself. What you truly think about yourself. Yes, you may be a CEO and have a billion dollars in your bank account and expensive holiday homes. But at the core, if you're not doing this basic self-care, that means you don't really value yourself. Some people tell me that they don't do the basic self-care of eating regular meals or sleeping well, but they're good with their self-care. They will ensure that they have a regular massage and they go on a good holiday once a year where they can really unwind and relax. And that's great. A little is better than nothing. But for me, that is equivalent to being in an abusive relationship with my partner hitting me and then taking me out for expensive dinner. The latter does not negate the harm of the former. When I did my TED talk, my TEDx talk last year, I started with the following phrases. You are not good enough. You are not worthy. You do not belong. You don't matter. And you are nothing. I believe that all of us have some of these beliefs in our psyche. For some people, these messages are more deeply rooted and occupy more of the person's mind and belief system than for other people. For some people, one of these statements is stronger than all the others. These are the seeds that were planted in us through our early experiences. And later experiences have just proven them to be correct. So we kept growing an orchard of these beliefs in our mind. For some people, because of these beliefs, they've given up trying. Well, if I'm not good enough or worthy, why bother trying? I'll just live my life as if this belief is true. And by doing so, I make that belief a reality in the way I treat myself and in the way others treat me. For other people, they have done everything they can do with it to prove that these beliefs are wrong. 
They're waiting to be told and acknowledged that they are good enough or worthy or wanting to hear their parents say that they're proud of them. Whether their parents are dead or alive, they're still waiting for those words, I'm proud of you. So they believe if they work hard enough, if they try hard enough, if they just keep going, one day they'll get that message. And these are generally the achievers in society, the go-getters, the people who work really hard, get this and then that degree, climb to the top of their fields just to prove their worth, to feel worthy, to feel good enough even if it's just for one moment. This is the person who's always first in the office in the morning and last to leave. But we can't feel worthy or good enough if at the core we are treating ourselves as if we don't matter. Every time you make work, that assignment, that email, more important than you, you are reiterating the message to yourself that you are not important. How often have you been thirsty but did not want to get up and get yourself a drink because you were too busy? How often do you skip meals because you are too busy or gobble your food or eat eat your lunch at the desk on the kitchen table just while standing there? How often do you need to go to the toilet But just hold it a little longer. Just until I finish this email, this part, this sentence. And then, when you do go to the toilet, you try and pee as quickly as possible. Because peeing is just a waste of time. It's taking you away from important work. Would you do that to your child? Or someone who you love and respect? Think of your hero someone you admire, would you treat them that way if they came to your home, if they lived with you? If the answer is no, then why is it okay to do this to yourself? Why is it okay to deprive you of the basic self-care? The answer is simple, because you do not see yourself as worthy enough to be respected and cared for by yourself. And this for me is the saddest thing in the world. Me living inside a body with a mind that makes me believe that I am nothing. Me living half a life. The external life that others might look at and think, wow, I want what she's got. If only they knew. Because my internal world is so painful, I ignore it. I push it away. And I focus all my energy on my external world. And I build this amazing external world for me, where I am the king or the queen. But all the time, I feel like an imposter, knowing that this is not really me. And I live in constant fear that one day... I will be found out. One day, this gig will end and everything that I've worked so hard for will come crushing down. No wonder I have anxiety and no wonder I can't stop. No wonder I have to keep trying 
keep pushing harder. I gotta keep this external world going. Gotta keep this facade going. The cost of this constant running and ignoring myself is great. Mentally, I feel like I'm an imposter living in someone else's life. Because I can't stop, it means I'm always on, always running. My body can only do this for so long before it starts breaking down. Burnout, chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmune disorders, where my body starts attacking itself. Why not? I have been attacking my body for so long. So it makes sense that eventually it will start doing to itself what I've been doing to it all along. The word chronic fatigue means just that. I have used every ounce of energy and power that my body had. I've sucked it dry without giving it an opportunity to refuel or allowing it to rest and recover. So it just has nothing more to give. It's completely drained. It's completely out of fuel with no idea of where to even go get some. How did I get chronic fatigue? By missing out on the basic self-care of eating and sleeping for such a long time. That's the fuel that my body needs. Food is not just what we eat. It's not just the nutrients that we eat. But it's how we eat what we eat as well. I've heard nutritionists talk about how we don't absorb the nutrients in our food if we gobble it, if we eat fast, if we eat in a rush. There's a good reason for that old adage of chew your food thoroughly because chewing is part of eating, getting nutrients. Sleep, now that's a whole nother conversation. Because sleep is not just about going to bed early. Sleep is not just about tucking in and shutting out. Behaviorally, it's easier to change our eating habits than it is to sleep. Because we can buy healthy food. And all we need to do is just learn how to make time to eat it slowly and with care. Just need to learn how to feed ourselves and give ourselves that little bit of extra time to eat our foods. We just need to give ourselves permission to stop, to eat, and to care about me just enough. Permission is a funny thing. Because we have done the self-neglect for such a long time, it feels wrong to do the self-care. And before we can do it, we feel like we need permission. Don't know from who or where, but here's your permission. It's okay to stop. It's okay to eat your lunch and take time. It's okay to get out of the office for five minutes during your lunch break. Initially, these will feel completely wrong. You might be a bit strange doing the, being the only one 
going for a walk during your lunch break. But the more you do it, the easier and more natural it becomes. Starting to value yourself as enough starts with giving yourself permission to care about you. Sleep is about learning to shut down. And for many people, that's when my mind wakes up. That's when it wants to tell me everything and it goes into overdrive because now I'm still and not distracted. Now my mind has my undivided attention. So as soon as I put my head on the pillow, my mind starts ramping up because it's got a lot to tell me. Or I may be one of those lucky people who's able to sleep quickly, fall asleep easily. But then at 2 a.m., my mind's wide awake and comes up with some brilliant ideas on that problem that I had or that problem that I'm working on. So I wake up and I note it down. Now I can't go back to sleep because my mind is wide awake and it's on problem-solving mode. So I'm up from 2 in the morning, so I'm not getting sleep. Learning how to shut down and let go is not just a skill for learning how to fall asleep, but also an essential skill for learning how to live peacefully, how to leave work at work, how to focus and be okay with me at this moment, or just be in this moment. All of this sounds very much like mindfulness, which it is. The sleep hygiene that we often hear about is about outside behaviors. Don't have coffee a few hours before going to bed. Have a good wind-down routine. No technology a few hours before bed. And these are important because they set the scene for my body and my mind. The next step is how to switch off the mind. And this one's a lot harder than developing routines and structure. Because if I haven't practiced switching off my mind during the day or having any kind of control over my mind during the day, I clearly can't just whip up control at night. Mindfulness practices or apps will definitely help you to sleep. But if you're only using mindfulness for sleep, you are missing out on the biggest benefit of mindfulness. It's like a child thinking that a computer is solely there to play this one game on. Yes, the computer can definitely let you play that one game on it. But there's so much more that a computer can do than play that one game. There are infinite possibilities on what you can do on the computer once you know how to use the computer fully. Once you've got the skills, once you've got the talents, the know-how. For me, mindfulness is about learning how to control my mind, to a greater or lesser degree. It's about learning how to harness the power of my mind and to live my life more fully. On learning how to enjoy the simple pleasures in life, really allowing myself to be in the shower when I shower, not let my mind wander or problem solve, while I'm in the shower, but actually to be present in my body and enjoy that shower just for those few moments. And then I gift myself 
the coffee and allow myself to enjoy that as well. Every sip of my coffee. So that I can cherish that experience in my day. And then I taste my food. And so on and so on. Living mindfully means that I experience life. The basic self-care is part of my enjoyment in life. Part of what makes me feel alive. A friend once asked me why I'm happy and I went, "Um, because I'm breathing. And for me, that's all I needed. As long as I'm breathing, I'm aware, I'm conscious, and I can enjoy this moment. So all that self-care activities that I do are not done mechanically, but they're done with love to me, from me. Just as I would do it for my young child, or someone who I loved and adored. Thank you for listening to my show today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you too can learn how to love you and care for you just a little bit more. Start practicing the self-care and value you a little bit more after listening to this talk. If you want to contact me, all my contact details are available on my website, which is alivepsych.go.nz. I also have a Facebook page, Alive Psychology. My TEDx talk, if you want to listen to it, is also on my website, which is alivepsych.go.nz. And my next retreat is Embodied Mindfulness and Self-Love. It's a woman's only retreat, and it's from the 19th to the 23rd of March, 2022, in the Coromandel. All details are on my website. Thank you, and look after yourself. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.